So many questions with all of this college football realignment. How are things going to look when all the dust settles? What is the Big Ten going to be divided into as far as divisions or pods or anything else? But also at the same time, how does the future of the Big Ten get shaped around these new parameters? Recruiting. Does USC and UCLA get a boost by coming to the Big Ten? Do other Big Ten schools get a boost by saying, hey, we're a national conference now? Let's try and decipher it all. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten alongside John Garcia, Jr. of Sports Illustrated. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to talk about the impact of the biggest move in college sports in years. What will it have on recruiting, specifically in this conference? And as we get into the recruiting conversation, you like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor, sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, John, it's been a little while since we've talked. I mentioned before we went on, I had some names I wanted to go over because it had been a few weeks and some big commitments had happened. But then huge, huge news happened last week with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. I think we're going to talk a whole lot about hypotheticals, theoretical things, what this could mean for recruiting here in this conversation. So I want to start off by asking, has there been any actual effects that you've seen yet? Any actual conversations from either recruits or coaches or things like that about how this helps Big Ten recruiting? Yeah, I, I happened to be in LA when that news dropped. I was finishing up our coverage at the Elite 11 finals and I got to talk to a bunch of people about it for kind of their immediate reaction. C.J. Stroud, I, I spoke with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the UCLA quarterback. And yeah, there was just kind of a general excitement, not, not only for uh, just something new and different, but both of those current college quarterbacks and then the recruits we talked to thereafter, they all said the same thing. This is a step up in competition for USC and UCLA. And, and that is really something that intrigued a lot of the West Coast uh, natives that, that we spoke to uh, and, and both CJ and Dorian being, you know, going into, we think their, their last year of quarterbacking at the collegiate level, both of them said, man, I wish it was this year. I wish we could play those teams right now. Uh, of course, CJ being from Southern California, playing in the Big Ten, Dorian Thompson Robinson once viewed as a Michigan lock, his mother went there, but then he opted for UCLA there at the 11th uh, hour coming out of uh, Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman High School. So two West Coast quarterbacks that understand a lot of dynamics about the Big Ten, and both of them were borderline salivating uh, about the potential on the field. And then when we talked to recruits, same deal, general excitement, but also kind of, a, okay, we're going to be playing better competition. I thought one of the most unique answers came from Malachi Nelson, the USC quarterback commitment, another SoCal kid who said, hey, look, my, my goal is the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be cold, but you got to play cold games in the NFL as well. So that was kind of the, the overwhelming thought was, man, I can't imagine USC at Minnesota in, in a November snow game because uh, we just don't associate that with the Trojans or the Bruins for that matter. But that was kind of met head on by a lot of recruits like, hey, that's another opportunity to take advantage of, of a future scenario potentially. So I do think in the immediate future, it expands the perception of the competition level USC and UCLA face. Now, in terms of recruiting, look, these footprints for some of these programs have always been national, right? USC, Ohio State, Michigan in particular, 
Those three, I don't think it's a world of difference, although we don't see a whole lot of Midwesterners committing to USC. So maybe that could open up a couple other doors. But for everyone else involved, this expands your recruiting base kind of at a minimum. I, I think the best example, a uh, recent example we should look at with this was when Texas A&M and Missouri joined the SEC. The entire conference went into Texas. Everyone was like, okay, doors open in Texas. Let's go get recruits. And it's still happening today. So I think if the Big Ten does something similarly with California, which again, is right there with Texas as one of the top two, three, four states in, in recruiting production per capita, now all of a sudden you're seeing an influx of different talent into the schools not named USC and Ohio State and Michigan. Now all of a sudden Minnesota and Purdue and Iowa and you know Nebraska, they're pulling from places where we just don't typically see a whole lot of traction. So for those schools, it's even more advantageous of a move. And I think coming from the Pac-12 for UCLA, it does the same thing. Known more regionally, SoCal kids, Pacific Northwest kids, you dip into Arizona, maybe Texas in your recruiting footprint. And that's kind of where it is. Now UCLA can push more uh, towards the Midwestern recruit and stretch it all the way to the East Coast where they don't spend a whole lot of time now. So I do think for some programs, it, it benefits and creates an enhancement. And while for, for the brand name, the Blue Bloods, it just kind of uh, strengthens the strength, if you will, with that national profile. But everyone was surprised, but also immediately viewed it as this is a step up in competition. So this is great news overall. Would it not, and I guess you went into this a little bit, uh, my first instinct was, okay, this has to help uh, the USC and the UCLA a little bit more. For one, they're California kids getting the chance to play in a Big Ten that is, if not better than the Pac-12 ever was, at least better than what the Pac-12 has been in recent years as far as the prestige and what that conference has brought. But also, you mentioned those smaller schools there. Can you go into a little more, like, if I'm an individual recruit, say from California, what is the like testimony you have or the reasons like why I'm thinking about going to a big 10 school now that isn't one of those California schools, just because those California schools are in there. Yeah. In theory, you're going to be able to say, you know, Hey mom, I'm going to be able to come home once, maybe twice a year, depending on, you know, how the schedules and all that stuff, divisions and all that works out. You know, now there's going to be a return to home element of, of the college game. And I think that just takes a little bit of pressure off of going further away from home, like the rest of the Big Ten would be for us, a Southern California native or even a West Coast native in general. All of that is far away. So naturally, you combat that with, well, at least there'll be one, maybe two games a year that are back home or, or in the Western uh, time zone, whatever it may be down the line. So it kind of softens the. Uh, relative extremity or the extreme, I should say, of going across the country to play your college football. But look, I think ever since USC's run in the mid 2000s kind of came to a close, we've seen that anyway. We, we, we just talked about CJ Stroud. I mean, he was looking at Ohio State and Georgia leading into his commitment. You know, a lot of these West Coast kids, because there hasn't been a dominant program out there. And when USC's not up, the door is wide open, just like when Texas isn't up, everyone raids the state. Same kind of deal. So we've already seen the trend of Californians heading east. Uh, so I think this only accelerates that part of the conversation anyway. It's already become a, a bit of a trend, but this now creates more benefit of the doubt 
not only with the kids, but with, with their families, with their, with their coaches, with the people around them in, in terms of taking that, I guess, collective leap of faith to, to go across the country. And then for the current Big Ten schools, it's the exact opposite. Um, now you're like, I grew up loving or hating Michigan, let's say. Now I can go live by the beach 10 months a year and still get to beat up or, you know, play against a school like Michigan that I either loved and never got that offer or I've always hated, um, but I always wanted something different and to go outside the box a little bit. So now you can kind of do the best of both worlds there. So it just kind of expands the possibilities from a recruit uh, in, an, in a non-traditional way. And I think, again, that, that only enhances everyone's ability to recruit, but obviously implementation, scheduling, logistics, all that stuff has to, to have a little bit more clarity attached to it before we see a true tangible difference in how these programs actually win recruiting battles. The plans can change and, and, and that's cute, but they actually got to go do it once all these uh, decisions and intricacies are finalized. When you need to make an adjustment or repair to your car, the place to go is rockauto.com. It cuts out the middleman of a dealership or a car parts place while at the same time making sure you get exactly what you need delivered right to your door. If you just need new mats to the car, something I need actually, I'll go over to rockauto.com and check it out. You can do something that small, you can get oil to change or even something as big as just a whole part to replace. If you're that kind of a DIY kind of person who doesn't need to take it straight all the way to the shop to get things fixed, or at least wants to try things out maybe, and even if you're not an expert expert, you can get those kind of parts from Rock Auto. Make sure again that you're getting the right part and have it delivered straight to your door. Again, rockauto.com, the place to be for any parts that you need. Cut out that middleman. And if you do use the service, let them know that we sent you. Put locked on in the promo code box in their checkout to let them know that we sent you. You mentioned the schools that aren't those schools who are already national recruiters out there. Those smaller schools in the Big Ten come to mind that have really struggled to kind of pick it up in like a Maryland or a Rutgers. Those teams who, I guess in those cases, since joining the Big Ten, have really struggled to get integrated into what Big Ten football does. Do you expect there to be a noticeable like markup in what those recruiting teams are, or what those recruiting classes are going to look at with those teams like right away, 2023? Yeah, I think on the surface level, yeah, we should start to see a little bit of that. Um, and look, Northwestern's already got the biggest class in the, in the Big Ten, maybe one of the biggest in the country still. So we're seeing changes in general. I mean, Purdue's got 18 commitments right now, for goodness sakes. But yeah, I think your, your Maryland's, your Rutgers, uh, even your Indiana's that have been more kind of niche geographically. Yeah, I think that all expands kind of naturally. And I think the overarching thought around the Big Ten, now that, like you said, it's, it's, it's certainly a step above from the Pac-12, but now there's really a two-conference conversation at the top, right? It, it's the SEC and the Big Ten. So in, in the South, we see a whole lot of, you know, when Vanderbilt offers a kid, they're like, man, I know it's not the best program, but it's SEC and it, and it creates a spark. So I do think that Big Ten moniker can, or whatever they're going to call it, because it can't be the Big Ten anymore, right? Whatever they call it, oh, I yes, do think, yes. <laughs> yeah, why not? I do think we'll see a little bit more, not conference pride, but a little bit more boasting with the conference name, because now it literally is the only conference that stretches from the Atlantic to the Pacific. 
But then it also is, is a kind of confirmed power. If the super conference conversation continues, and why would it go away at this point? We know two contenders and two major players. So any school in those two conferences is going to continue to, to use that even more. We see it a ton in SEC country. I think we'll see it more in, in Big Ten country as, as time goes forward. Because again, it's the only one that you're recruiting in all three time zones kind of simultaneously. So it'll be fascinating to see play out. But I think there'll be a little bit more pride for, for any offer in the conference because of that elevated profile in general. Let's zoom out a little bit here. You already said it's right now the Big Ten and the SEC, and then it's everybody else. And to be quite honest, whatever the Big 12 does with the Pac-12 or the ACC, it'll be an effort to at least be a level lower even then, uh, if you ask me what those two conferences are going to end up being. If you look like, let's say, five years down the road, at what recruiting classes are going to look like. How big is that gap between the SEC and the Big Ten and the rest of college football? That's a great question. Uh, I wish I would have pulled up my rankings from last year, but there's already a gap. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think you, you think of that, and then you add Lincoln Riley to that conversation at a minimum, right? Because we think more could be along the way for, for both conferences. We, we, now, we know the SEC is going to counter here at some point because that's just kind of how it is. Now we're bringing in more programs for these two conferences, but it's already kind of dominated by them. You know, we, we talk about the race for the number one class is always between Alabama and Georgia. And then the, the teams that have challenged them most recently are the Ohio States of the world. And the team with maybe the biggest ceiling to eventually become one of those contenders is USC with Lincoln Riley, because everyone agrees when that program is right, it's a hard national sell to overcome for just about everybody else. So now that's going to be attached to Ohio State, to the Big Ten. So I think we already see a gap when we think of the best recruiting programs before you get to a Pac-12 school. Oregon had had the number one class in the Pac-12 for like four or five cycles in a row. Well, that coach is gone. And that conference is totally upside down and on its head at this point. So there's nothing to say that the remaining programs will be able to contend. So that only enhances the Big Ten's profile. And then in the ACC, kind of the same deal. Clemson has been the only one that has factored into that consistent top five, top 10 conversation. So how do they counter, if possible? The Big 12, it was just, we just hadn't seen it, right? I mean, Texas has had its moments. And right now they look really good in, in 2023. But they'll be an SEC school by the time all these realignment uh, factors are, are, are behind us. So I think it will only extend that proverbial gap. But it already exists in my mind. That was kind of my long roundabout way of saying yeah. it's already those two and everyone else. Well, we talk about how, how good it will be for the Big Ten on the flip side. I mean, you're not the one selling kids, but you know about this stuff. How are you as a Pac-12 coach sitting down in a living right, room right now and making any sorts of promises to recruits to trying to get commitments in, as we've talked about, still very much the heat of the recruiting cycle here? I'm not bringing up any of this if, I, if I'm a coach right now in the Pac-12. I am focused, tunnel vision style, on whatever my brand is. If, if we're the Oregon Ducks, I'm focused on Phil Knight and the, the offensive explosiveness that we just expect with that program, the national brand profile, Nike, Tracktown USA, Nike World Headquarters, that's, I'm focused all in on that. I'm not bringing up one other school. And that's kind of the general rule, right? You're not supposed to 
bring up a, a school that's potentially better than yourself in recruiting because it certainly hurts you there. So I think you just carry that over to conferences, future scheduling. You make it about the short term and you make it about your school. With us, you can do this regardless of conference, regardless of opponent. This is what you can accomplish here. I would keep it extremely narrow uh, for the foreseeable future because even talking about, you know, the, even these Big Ten teams, how could you shift to that point of the conversation already? There's still too much unknown with all of the logistics, the timing, all those things uh, in order to really jump all into that. I th so I think everyone is collectively taking a step back. But yeah, if you're visiting Oregon or Utah or Washington in the next few weeks, I think those schools keep it about their colors, their brand, what they've done individually as a program, as opposed to, yeah, we're also part of the Pac-12. I just think that stuff becomes less and less prevalent in, in those conversations. Uh, it's Big Ten versus SEC now. It's been that way for a little while, I guess, in football, as you mentioned, as far as recruiting goes. But the critique has always been that the Big Ten doesn't have the depth to be able to hoist up its top teams to the very, very top of do you think that with these kind of boosts we'll see, we'll end up seeing a Big Ten conference that can get that kind of deep like an SEC does? I think there's a ton of pressure on USC to bring, um, I don't want to say balance, but to bring that, their end uh, on the ceiling, a part of that conversation. So yeah, I do think that hypothetically, yes, I do think this creates more depth and UCLA was actually sneaky good last year. Like people don't realize how well they ran the football, how consistently they were on the offensive side of the ball, returning quarterback, all that fun stuff. So I do think this can help that part of the conversation because really when you dig into the comparisons between the Big Ten and the SEC, for me, I think that's true in both conferences. You go to the top four, five, six programs, and man, that is some good stuff. Hard to beat on, on either end. But when you get to that second tier, if you will, I think that's where you see a whole lot of variance in the conversation and the perception. And I think now this enhances the top half of, of that Big Ten uh, and helps to more evenly match up with the SEC. And again, if, if these schools bring what we think they could, it could uh, either even the odds there or eventually help the Big Ten overtake the SEC in that national conversation. I do not think that's out of the realm of possibility, especially when you think about Notre Dame and some of these other schools that are, are talking here in, in some respect, I think the Big Ten has a chance to eventually be number one in that conversation. So even that possibility uh, should make that entire Big Ten footprint smile uh, on a day like today, because it's not going to go the other way anytime soon. It's always the goal is to try to beat that conference on the football field, the SEC. It's uh, not an easy one to do. Uh, thank you to LinkedIn for helping us talk to John here today. Thank you to John Garcia Jr. over at Sports Illustrated for imposing some of his knowledge here on us on the show. We always appreciate you talking to us, John. Uh, I, I would almost guarantee something else is going to happen by the time we talk next. hundred percent. That's the beauty of it, Nate. Uh, thanks again for having me. We'll be wrapping things up in just a second here. Thanks again to John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated for joining us here on the program. Before we get to the final notes of the show, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar of the Locked On Podcast Network in sponsor, but also just in preference, too. The hosts around the network, myself included, 
honestly love these things. It, it's not that way with every single sponsor that we get, but when we were first sent Built Bars, the rave reviews were coming in nonstop. The flavor is outstanding. People can't believe that, again, you only get less than 5 grams of carbs and sugars with more than 15 grams of protein and less than 150 calories in these bars as well. And Built Bar has right now their brand new coconut brownie chunk puff. So the puff bars that Built Bar has been putting out with chocolate encased around marshmallow that has the same nutrition as every other Built Bar, they're now coming out with one with one of the most popular regular Built Bar flavors out there, chocolate brownie chunk, coconut brownie chunk. Check that. It's one of the most popular Built Bar flavors, again, put into this marshmallowy puff form that is one of the things that if you're a Built Bar fan, you're going to want to try out. So head on over to Built.com right now and make your order. And when you do, use code LOCKED15 to make sure you get 15% off when you check out. Again, LOCKED15 at Built.com. All right, let's wrap things up here on the program. Uh, something that happened a while ago in Big Ten News, but we haven't gotten to a whole lot of news lately because we've been talking really only expansion, but uh, this something that happened almost a week ago now, but still Big Ten hockey players getting drafted into the NHL and, of course, plenty of representation in this draft as well. Four first-round picks, two from Minnesota, two from Michigan. First one was Logan Cooley, center out of Minnesota, third overall to the Arizona Coyotes. Then Frankie Nazar out of Michigan went to the Blackhawks, 13th. Rutger McGrody of Michigan went 14th to the Winnipeg Jets. And Jimmy Shruggard of Minnesota, right wing, 23rd to the St. Louis Blues. Second round picks were Minnesota's Ryan Chesley and Michigan's Seamus Casey. Fourth round picks, Wisconsin's Tyson Jugnauth, Ohio State's Stephen Halliday, Wisconsin's Cruz Lucius, and a sixth round pick in Minnesota's Connor Kurth. Finally, two seventh round picks, Brennan Alley of Notre Dame and David Gucciardi of Michigan State. Again, something that happened a little while ago in the NHL draft. We've been pretty busy over here at Locked On Big Ten, so we're going to, of course, had to push things back a little bit here. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking PFF grades, preseason grades for college positions. And quarterbacks, wide receivers are out. Just a little bit of a sneak preview. C.J. Stroud comes in as fourth overall in PFF's list of the top 50 college quarterbacks going into the season based off of their grades and performance. The next Big Ten quarterback comes in at number 11. Maybe not who you would have thought, Tali Atungavaloa of Maryland. Then you get Aiden O'Connell of Purdue at number 15. And then going a little bit further down the list, next Big Ten quarterback is Cade McNamara of Michigan State at 29. Going over to the wide receiver side of things, Ohio State takes the number one spot. Jackson Smith in Jigba is tops in their top 25 wide receiver list. And other Big Ten representatives such as Parker Washington at 13. Dante Demas Jr., of Maryland coming at 14. And we'll get into some more of that stuff on tomorrow's show here on Locked On Big Ten. And finally, some comments on some things we've said with AAU here on this show. Now, when we talked to Jacob Root about it last week, it was kind of a consensus between the two of us that while the Big Ten has been big on this AAU certification thing, it seems like now may be the time for that to be thrown out the window. Conference still hasn't accepted any schools that don't have that accreditation yet. But when Jacob and I were saying that, apparently some people 
have doubts, and, and I do too, because I know the Big Ten, but it just seems like this is the way the sport's going. I'm going to read your comments, though. Boatwagon tweeted in, I keep, I keep hearing that the Big will dump the AAU requirement because of the money incentives. Keep in mind that the money in academics makes the money in football look paltry, and the decision will be made by university presidents who are academics first. Now, I agree, but... In that same sense, while you make plenty of money with the academics, I have no idea if that's uh, right, saying that the athletic money doesn't compare. I don't, doesn't feel right. I, we can look at numbers and we probably are honestly going to have to have someone on to talk about it, given the feedback that I've gotten and the response I've gotten since we had that episode. But the fact that there's more money to be made by bringing in these non-AAU schools that's what's not going to stop the Big Ten from dumping it, right? Like, I, again, the conference is going to make plenty of money whether it does it or not, I guess. So in that sense, I agree. But at least for right now, I'm still at the point where it's like, it seems like everyone's trying to grab onto the money as much as possible. And I don't see how you end up not taking that money if it's there to be taken, if that at least makes a little bit of sense, you know? Because... Now is the time to be greedy, right? Now is the time for you to say, okay, we need to jump on this while we can. We're coming off a pandemic when schools are desperate for cash, and we are, the Big Ten right now, the model for where the money is. TV money's coming in. We are the big super conference, and the next one to get that big deal, it just seems like now is the time for it to happen, if it's going to happen. Again, if you're a longtime Big Ten fan, I understand where those reservations lie. There have been opportunities to bring in other schools like this that the Big Ten has passed on because of this reason exactly. But I just feel like this is a stars aligning kind of thing where the Big Ten may not be able to have a choice. It'll have a choice. I shouldn't say that. But with the money that it'll be passing up, it'll be hard to turn down, I guess, the kind of schools that would just make that athletic money for the Big Ten even bigger. Even if the academic money that comes into the Big Ten is all so, so much, I don't know if he's just talking about like tuition, in which case, yeah, of course, there's more money coming in there. But tuition's going to be there. I would say whether or not you bring in another school into the Big Ten that doesn't have that AAU or not, I don't think people are going to say, I'm not going to Michigan because Louisville's in the Big Ten. I don't know if Louisville's going to be in the Big Ten or not. That's just a school I throw out there. But it just doesn't make sense to turn away that money when right now the money is the only thing, it seems like, at least nowadays, motivating all of these moves. So we'll see what ends up happening, and we will definitely have to have somebody on to talk more about it. But at least for right now, I'm still on the side of if the money's there, if the check is big enough, Big Ten's going to be able and willing to drop that standard. I don't know for sure. We've seen the Big Ten hold that standard in times where maybe even I wouldn't have liked it to before. But again, when you tweet in saying, "Don't not so fast, I hear you. I understand. I follow this conference too, and I know that it can be tricky trying to knock off the academic heads at the top who care about that more than anything else. He's right. He's right. The people who are making these decisions, we pointed out before, are the ones who care about this most. Again, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to get into those PFF rankings 
across positions in college football. Where do all the Big Ten players slot in? Who are the surprises? Who should be higher? Who should be lower? It's a list. It's another list to go over, and we'll have it here tomorrow on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Big Ten. That's Locked On Big One Zero. Same thing on YouTube. My personal Twitter account is at Nate with Sports. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, this has been Locked On Big Ten.